0: Excited. Hey, anybody thankful that they came to church this afternoon? It's a beautiful day in Salt Lake City. There's about a thousand other things. There's about a thousand other things that you could have been doing out in the sunshine right now. Maybe why there's some empty chairs in this room. But how many guys know that God can do a lot with a little? That means even if you just give him a little, even if you didn't want to be here, even if when I ask that question, are you thankful you came to church today and you shook your head and said, no, actually not yet. You know that you're still here and God can do a lot with a little. Yep. And actually, that's a lot of what tonight is about. We've been in this season of dreaming with God and saying, hey, here we are, Lord. <clears throat> We're in Salt Lake City. It's 2022. The world uh, seems to be going nuts all, all, all around us, everywhere we turn. But you're still God you're still good. Last time we checked, the tombstone was still rolled away, which means if Jesus is alive, then death has been defeated. Sin can be atoned for and conquered, and anything is possible. And so the world might be shaking, but church, we've been saying this for the last seven weeks, we've re- we have received a kingdom that what? No. Cannot be shaken. That's what the scripture says. That's what the Bible says about what what we get transferred into when we call on Jesus as Savior and we put our faith in him. Literally, the Bible says that when we say yes to Jesus, that he reaches into what the Bible calls the realm or the domain of darkness, okay? Stick with me for a second. That he reaches into the darkness and he rescues us. When we just say, yes, when we just call on his name in faith, believing that he's the only one that can save, heal, deliver, he's the only one that conquered sin, death, and the grave, we say, Jesus, save me. It's a mustard seed of faith. Some of us, we just whisper it when we we don't even feel like we're at faith yet. And he reaches into darkness. He rescues us. And then the Bible says he transfers us into oh cool I just stepped into this light right here the kingdom of his beloved son which is called the kingdom of light so we 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 were we all of us were born into darkness all of us were born into a place of lostness into a place where we think we know what is right but we're actually disconnected and kind of the walking blind, the walking dead until Jesus opens our eyes to this new reality and he rescues us and he transfers us. So if you've been transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved son, the Bible says you've been transferred into a kingdom. I'm going to let us try again because the first time was kind of weak. We've been transferred into a kingdom church that cannot be shaken, right? Which is good news because is the earth shaking, is the world around us shaking? Yes. It's crazy. it been a crazy couple years. We've all seen things in the last couple years we never thought we would see in our lifetime. I mean, come on. Just masks alone being normalized when you're riding a bicycle? I mean, that's like... Sorry. I mean, that's a joke, guys. have you... I'm sorry. Some of y'all may have done this. This is grace. Can we just have fun and laugh for a minute? Okay. You're on a bike by yourself wearing a mask. Did you ever think you'd see that in your life outside? I mean, maybe the stationary bike inside in the gym. Okay, that's fine. You know, you're by your, sorry guys, I'm just having fun. Can we laugh? It's silly. Okay, but look, the the world has been a crazy place to live the last couple years. But we've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so we've been dreaming, saying, God... Your word says that you're a God of restoration, that you're making all things new. We've been reading this scripture, Psalm 126. Read read it with me here on the screen. It says that when the Lord restored, say that word, restored, restored, the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. When God begins to restore things that have been lost and broken... You start to dream again. You start to hope again. You start to get excited again. Have you ever had a dream that was lost and broken be given back to you or be restored? It's an incredible, incredible feeling when something that was lost comes back to you. I was praying for your diamond ring today, babe. We're we're married thirteen years this summer and when we moved here and we're moving into our house in October, the one carat diamond fell out of her engagement ring and we're still asking for God to restore it back to us. As far as we know, we've searched our home high and low, it is lost. But we know the God that restores things that are lost. We know the God that restores things that are broken. And we know the, and when God gives back something that we think is lost, it's a beautiful thing. We start dreaming again. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. Our tongues with shouts of joy. And we say among the nations, the Lord has done great things. See, we, we believe in a God who restores broken things. That puts us into a place of hope. When you believe that God can rebuild anything, nothing in your life has to stay the way that it is, and that pulls hope and dreaming into our hearts. It begins to restore joy, and then we see God do these great things in our lives because he's the God who restores, and then we testify, the Lord has done great things. Do y'all see the cycle? Restoration, dreaming, joy, proclamation of God's goodness, right? Right? This is who God is, and we believe that God restores things, and he restores things in partnership. Somebody say partnership. Partnership. He does things in partnership with men. This is why the, the written history of God's story, the Word of God, is filled with names like Abraham, like Moses, like David, like Solomon, like Isaiah. It's not these just random stories. It's actually stories of people that believed in God and believed in God's word and partnership with God, God did something in and around and through them. You know what I'm saying? So God loves to restore things and he loves to restore things with us. He loves to rebuild and restore things in partnership with us. Are you tracking with me? And so we have been, as a church, going after these four dreams. We've been saying, God, what are your dreams for Salt Lake City? What This small community of people that love you, that love your presence, God, what could we partner in with you in this city to see the broken places of this city restored? And that's where... We have, that's why when you walked in here, there was this big banner, City of Dreams. Today, if this is your first time, then you're stepping into like the culmination of something that we've been doing for six, seven weeks. And today's called City of Dreams. Because for the last six, seven weeks, we've been praying, we've been talking about God's dreams for our church and this city. And this is the day where we're all coming and saying, hey, we're gonna put our money where our mouth is literally and say, hey God, we're gonna consider your dreams as more valuable than ours. And no dream moves forward without sacrifice, without generosity. And so many of us have been praying for weeks saying, God, how much would you have me give into your dreams for this city? And so if it is your first week, I need you to know we actually never talk about money in this church, but we are talking about it today. It is going to be fun. You're going to figure out real quick what we're all about, and we're glad you're here because we actually believe God's doing something beautiful in this city, in this church family, and we want as many people to be a part of it as possible. And so I'm going to get into these dreams again in a second but before we do I just want to I just want to preach a really really short message the shortest message you've ever heard me preach okay on the power of generosity Because many of you have already come here. I'm not trying to to get you to give. I'm not trying to change your number. Many of you have already prayed and come, and you already know what you're gonna give, all right? But I want us to have the highest level of excitement with the power of what our giving is going to unlock and release, all right? So I'm gonna preach a quick message called The Power of Generosity. Three ways that generosity changes things. The first is that generosity sets the table of encounter for other people. How many of you guys were here the last two weeks? We talked about Mary and Martha, these two sisters. They had a brother who got sick and died. His name was Lazarus. Famous story. Jesus stood outside of Lazarus's tomb on the fourth day, and they rolled away the stone in faith, and Jesus called him out of the grave. An incredible resurrection miracle. Well, I don't know if you know this, but after Lazarus gets raised from the dead, these two sisters, Mary and Martha, he's coming back through town a little while later, and they throw a dinner party for Jesus. And in John 12, we see that there was this big dinner party at Mary and Martha's house. Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, so they gave a dinner for him There. Martha served the dinner. Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table. And then Mary comes in, in the middle of this dinner party, this incredible act of sacrifice and worship. She takes a pound of perfume, essentially. Scholars think that this perfume was worth about a year's worth of wages. This was some expensive stuff. My wife didn't have any perfume that's that nice, all right? All right. And she comes and breaks it at the feet of Jesus. She worships and weeps and washes Jesus' feet with her hair and this bottle of perfume. Kind of bizarre, honestly. Kind of bizarre. Not to mention, she didn't do this in private. That would have maybe been weirder. Okay, She does it in the middle of a dinner party. And everybody kind of is looking on going, what is going on here? But if you knew Mary's story. What you would understand is that Mary was the broken dream that nobody thought could be restored. Mary was the broken girl that nobody had hope for. Mary, we're pretty sure she was a prostitute in her former life. We don't know much about her but that she was deeply broken and because of the pain of her experiences, she was deeply afflicted, demonically afflicted until she met Jesus. Jesus restored the broken dream that was Mary and so it may look weird to everybody else what she was doing breaking this bottle of perfume. But for Mary, it was just worship. It was just gratitude. She breaks this perfume bottle. But here's what happens. Look at this. this. The fragrance of the perfume, if we can get this back on, the last, don't miss this. Read this last sentence with me, church. Come on. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Hey, church family, one person's worship can change a whole room. Your worship can fill a whole room with a fragrance. I don't care what everybody else is doing or what they're thinking about your worship, and neither should you, neither should we. But the, the, the beauty of this story is that they gave a dinner. Now, I don't know who gave, but somebody gave. Somebody paid for this meal. Somebody, presumably Martha, prepared and served the meal. You see this? Generosity intersected with service and an encounter with Jesus happened that changed the whole room. Are you with me, church? And so for, we said last week that generosity sets the table for people to encounter Jesus. And that's one way that your generosity is powerful. Because there are people that walked in and out of this dinner party that maybe had not experienced what Martha and Mary had seen. They had seen a resurrection. They came to this dinner party and they didn't understand it yet. But, but they smelled the perfume that was filling that room that day. You know what I'm saying, church? Generosity is powerful because it sets the table of encounter for other people. And faithful stewards those of us that, like Mary and Martha, we've tasted of the resurrection, the Bible says this, that it is what we proclaim now is not ourselves. This is 2 Corinthians 4. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. That's a good verse, amen? With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Jesus. So now, like Mary and Martha, we've seen a resurrection. We've tasted of a transformation. And so now it is a joy to not proclaim ourselves, to proclaim Jesus as Lord and then us as what? Servants. Here we are, Lord. We're we're gonna set the table. We're gonna set the table through service and through generosity that other people might taste the resurrection too. Generosity and service are powerful. So we actually say here, this is our blueprint value for generosity. This is kind of how we boil it all down. We say that all of our resources are a gift from God. As stewards, this means managers of his kingdom, we faithfully invest our time, talents, And tithes with joy. As we give generously, we tap into a supernatural economy where there is always enough. Really? Do you believe that? Do you believe that there's always enough in God's kingdom? Do you experience that there's always enough in your life? Be honest. Okay, so if there's always enough in God's kingdom, but there's not always enough in my life, do you think the breakdown is on His end or on mine? Oh yeah. So check this out. But there, this is a promise of God's word that there's always enough in the kingdom of God. All right. Check this out. Malachi chapter three, verse 10. He's instructing his people, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby, one of the only times in scripture where God is going to say, test me, And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing. Come on, read it with me. Until there is no more need. That's why we say as we give generously, we tap into a supernatural economy where there is always enough. Because when we bring what we have to him, He opens the windows of heaven for us. Do you believe that? Do you remember when Jesus had 5,000 people sitting on a hillside listening to one of his sermons? They'd been there for a long time. They were getting hungry. His disciples start looking around saying, somebody's got to feed all these people. Where should we get some food? Jesus is setting them up for a miracle, and he says, you find something for these people to eat. They say, Lord... A year's wages wouldn't be enough to buy food for all these people. But guess what? A little boy, looking at these little kids in the room. The the word of God says the kingdom belongs to the children. Why? Because of childlike faith. Because there were 5,000 hungry people sitting on a hillside. And all the adults were looking around getting logical there's not enough money. Where would we get all the food? While the adults are standing around trying to be logical, the kid walks up with a sack lunch and says, here, Jesus, two loaves and a few fish. You know that some of the adults looked at that kid and were like, that's cute. Thanks, buddy. But we, we, we need like a caterer, okay? Do you know what a caterer is? They like pull up with truckloads of food. You know that happened. They looked at the children full of faith and said, that's not enough. What did Jesus do? He took what they brought him. They took what he gave, he lifted it up to heaven, he blessed God, he thanked God for what they did give, and he started passing it out. And there was no need, there was more than enough. It's one of the famous, most famous miracles in all of the scripture. Jesus feeds 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch, and and it wasn't just that there was enough. The disciples actually went. I think Jesus did this to so that the lesson would get deep down in them. Because remember, the disciples were leading the discussion of logic. They were the ones that had been with Jesus and already seen miracles. And they're going, there's not enough money. There's not enough food. And so what did Jesus do after everybody had eaten? What did he have the 12 disciples do? Y'all remember? He made them... Go pick up the leftovers. How many baskets of leftovers were there? How many disciples were there? Have you ever thought about that before? Each one of his closest friends and followers who missed the miracle in the land of logic all had to walk around that hillside until their basket was full. Jesus said, my friends... you are missing what I'm doing here. My kingdom is not of this world. Things that I am doing do not work through the logic of men, but through the faith of a child. There is always enough if we will bring what we have in faith. There's always enough. Generosity is powerful. It is powerful. It sets the table of encounter. And because there's always enough, the second reason why generosity is powerful is because it reveals the heart of God and thereby proclaims the kingdom of God. So if there's always enough in God's kingdom, but there's not always enough in my life, where's the breakdown? Look at Psalm 34, 8 through 10. We got this one, Psalm 34, 8 through 10. This was a late edition. Come on, come on, Mallory, thank you. It says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear the Lord have no lack. That's just the other way of saying there's always enough. Are you, are you with me? Look, the young, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Okay, this isn't Correction. This is just awareness. So if there's always enough in God's kingdom, that there's not always enough in my life, but the word of God says that those who fear the Lord and those who seek the Lord will never be in lack. Then the breakdown is not on Him. Are you are you tracking? The breakdown is on my lack of either fearing the Lord or my lack of seeking the Lord. See what I'm saying? Because we are a part of a kingdom where there's always enough. Generosity is powerful. It reveals the heart of God and it reveals the nature of his kingdom. We, we felt like the Lord was highlighting this scripture out of Joel chapter two for us. Matt Morley, our, our, our one of our worship leaders, actually heard this scripture uh, or felt like God brought this scripture to his mind. We pray as a staff team before every Sunday and we say, God, what are you saying? And we just take a minute to listen when we say, I feel like God said, it's not like we're hearing him audibly. We're just making space to, to hear his idea before our own idea fills in the blank. We call it hearing God or listening to God or waiting on God. It's not like I'm hearing him say, go left, go right, say this, say that. You know, it's like, it's just before I fill in my own idea, I'm saying, God, what do you think? And usually when I go that direction, it's like way more cool than what I could do, like the little boy with the small lunch. So Matthew, since this Joel 2 thing, it says, fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. Hey, it's springtime in Salt Lake City. It's the right day to read this scripture. Come on. The tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and vine give their full fruit yield. This is the nature of God's kingdom. Go with me. Be glad, O oh children, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter. The threshing floors shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. Oh, here it is. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. God is a God of restoration. And in his kingdom, when God restores, there's more than enough. And the last thing, as the band comes up, thank you guys, the last thing, the last reason why generosity is powerful, it sets the table of encounter, it reveals the heart of the kingdom, but check this out. Check this out. Generosity is, has the power to change your heart. It actually has the power to direct your heart's transformation. And I I believe this because Jesus said this in Matthew 6. Famous scripture, many of us have heard, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Check it out. Stay with me. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you notice that your heart follows your treasure? That means your generosity is powerful to change and lead your heart. So, church... Sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves and say, is God's kingdom my treasure or is my treasure my treasure? And one of the ways that we direct our hearts into the treasure of God's kingdom is by putting our actual treasure into God's kingdom and saying, Lord, your desires and your dreams matter more than what I would think and say my desires and my dreams are. And so that's where we've been as a church for the last few weeks, seeking the Lord and saying, God, what are your dreams? We want our hearts to be in, a, in alignment with your heart. And one of, the way that we do, one of the ways that we do that is through generosity. And so I need you guys to know, we believe in this church, one of our core convictions that Arlena and I have is that leaders go first. Healthy leadership never asks you to do something that they have not already done. And so we've been talking for a few weeks about City of Dreams, May 22nd. We're gonna gonna talk about the dreams of God and take up an offering. And I wanna share something really encouraging with you guys. Our pastoral leadership team, which is five families that are the kind of oversight structure for our church here, we all gave first. And we set before the church last Sunday, if you were here, we set before a faith goal. There's four dreams that we're going after in this city, and they each had a financial price tag, and the sum total of those four dreams was $120,000. We said, if we had these resources, we could run after these four dreams and not hold back. And I want to encourage you, church, but the families that are ahead of you that are leading this charge, on those five families that make up our oversight structure, over half of that 120K has already been given and pledged by the leaders of this house. Because because our treasure, and I can tell you this because I know each of these men and their hearts, that our treasure is not our treasure. Our treasure is him it's his presence it's his grace it's his good news it's the message of his death of his resurrection of the fact that he's a God of miracles and anything is possible but we had to wrestle and we wrestled the last couple weeks and we looked at our own savings account and we said wow man I could do a lot just like you could be doing a lot else with your Sunday at 4 o'clock on a sunny day in Salt Lake City. We could do a lot else with the money that was sitting there that we said, no, Lord, this is yours. And God can do a lot with a little. And so what we're going to do here for the rest of our service, the next about 20 minutes, is we're going to go through these dreams again. We're gonna hear some testimonies, okay, some stories. You're gonna get to hear some stories of how God's moving. And we're gonna pray into these together as a church family. And then at the very end, we're gonna just worship. Our, our leadership team's gonna pass baskets. And again, if this is your first time here, you need to know you've stepped into a story that's been going on. And we're so glad you're here. But for, for those of us that have been in the flow of this together, man, I know I'm excited to drop our family's check in the basket. We prayed about it, we invited our kids. My boys brought their own little ziploc bags. We gave them the we said, look, you don't have to give a dime, but we, we would encourage you to ask God because these are some dreams on his heart. And we watched them wrestle. But God, but but Dad, I'm saving this for, for something that I really want. I said, Yeah, I know. You know how big my check was? Man, <laughs> there's a lot I could, you know. And we wrestled that through with our little boys. And we read these scriptures. Oh, 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 bonus. Sorry, sorry. You got to know the promise of generosity, church. Sorry, I wanted to read the scripture Proverbs 11 24 through 25. Generosity is powerful, and generosity is packed with promise. Look, and so I sat with one of my sons and I said, Look, look, this is what God's word says. Look, I know it's human nature to hold on to what you got, but God's word says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want and need. Whoever brings a blessing will actually be enriched. And the one who waters will himself be watered. I've I've looked at my son. I was like, we can't afford to not give. We can't afford to not be generous. There's so many promises Proverbs 19, 17 says, whoever's generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Part of the first dream I want to share with you, church, is, is we have a dream and a calling to serve what the scripture calls as the least of these Jesus talks about the least of these. They weren't the least in Jesus' eyes, okay? But they were the least in society's eyes. The downcast, the downtrodden, the addicted, the homeless. If you drive through our city, the least of these are everywhere. If you've come to this church for any period of time, the least of these are on our doorstep. And we believe God has said, you're in this city, downtown salt lake city to be a part of sharing my kingdom and my heart with the least of these now i shared this testimony last sunday i'm we're not going to share it again but but there's a sweet precious old couple that had been living in a a tarp a tent on the side of our building for the last nine months And our church family, just coming in and out, we just kind of built a friendship with them. James and Sherry, precious old couple, they got evicted from their camp and had to move across town. And some of us helped them move across town and put them up in a hotel. And in the process of all of this, they began to encounter God's love for them because generosity reflects the heart of God. And they began to encounter Jesus they began to come to church on Sunday they began to experience deliverance and freedom James is a precious old brother and he would probably not mind me probably not mind me sharing this but there was a day where we felt the the leading by the Holy Spirit to pray for people struggling with depression and we felt specifically that, that God was saying there are people that have been contemplated taking their lives. And we, gotta, we wanna pray. And so in this room, just like this, kind of like we did earlier, if you need a miracle, raise your hand. I said, hey, if you've been struggling with depression and thoughts of suicide, I want you to raise your hand. And believe it or not, we had 10 to 12 people raising their hand for depression and suicide and hopelessness. And my brother James was on the front row and he raised his hand and some of you men came and you put hands on James and we prayed for James and God met James. I didn't know what he was doing but God met James that day and he told me on the way out the door. He said, man, that person that you mentioned that was thinking about taking his life all week. He goes, brother, that was me all this past week. That was me. And I don't know who those fellas were that put their hands on me and prayed. But when they did, I felt something come up off of my chest and off of my shoulders. And he told me the next day, he said, I went, he said, I slept like a baby that night. I have not slept that good in a year. Probably not, James. You've been living on the streets under a tarp. And as God encountered their spirits our church family rallied around them financially and I shared last week James and Sherry are now three months off the streets and this month have paid for their own housing for the first time in over a year and our church family was a part of walking alongside them so we One of our dreams is to serve the least. And part of what we're wanting to do is to set up a financial fund where we have money available at any point in time. Should people walk off the streets and God be doing something that we can come alongside of the least of these as a community. And love them into a new day. In Jesus name. Serving the least. Our goal was 25 thousand dollars. I want you to turn to a neighbor 30 seconds or you can just pray for yourself. Guys, this is what we're going to do through the service. We're just going to stop and pray for the least of these in our city. Do you know that they're on God's heart? They're on God's heart. Let's just take 30 seconds. You can pray by yourself. Pray with your spouse if you're sitting next to a friend. Lord, we thank you that your word says you're near to the brokenhearted. And we don't know what this looks like, God. We don't know what it looks like to engage with those in our city that are down and out and struggling. But we just say, Lord, that if you need somebody that's available and willing, here we are, God. Here we are. I thank you for James and Sherry. I pray that their story would be multiplied 5,000 times over. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody say amen, amen. The second dream is that we wanna serve the University of Utah. We believe that this is the next generation. They are on God's heart. And so we have a goal of $60,000 because we have a guy that we wanna bring on our team as our college pastor so that we can set him loose to run after students that are facing challenges in their generation like never before. We've got a guy, actually, we've already offered him the job in faith, all right, how about that? church, because we're believing that God can do a lot with a little. Whatever we bring to him, he multiplies, all right? So I'm going to bring up my brother James. He's going to share his testimony of how God met him in college. Come on, man. Put it together for James.
1: Hey, guys. So like Chris said, my name is James, and I have the privilege of co-leading the college ministry life group here at Antioch. So I moved to Salt Lake in 2019 to pursue a mechanical engineering degree at the University of Utah. And the first week of school, the U hosts what's called Plaza Fest. Plaza Fest is a time when all the clubs and organizations on campus can set up booths and just go out and meet students. There I met Chris Jurok. At the time, he was the college pastor here at Antioch. And so Chris, he and I started talking, and he told me about Antioch and college men, and um, I went on my way. But something stood out about his and I's interaction. I met with 10, 15 different people that day, and something stood out about that one interaction. Over the next couple of months, I tried most of the churches here in the valley, and Antioch really just made itself my home. I experienced God here in ways that I had never experienced God before. So this was 2019, I lived on campus and as 2020 and the COVID pandemic broke out, um, the university forced all their students who were living on campus to move back home. And so there I was in 2020 living back with my parents and my social net had completely shattered out from underneath me. Um, The next August school started it back again um, but this time with COVID regulations and university guidelines it was darn near impossible to get social life back up and going but Antioch's college men was still going and so I hadn't done really anything with Antioch's college men Year prior, but I figured, why not? And so, I gave college <laughs> ministry life group a try. Um, there, I found friends—friends friends deeper than I had really ever had before. They walked beside me, they walked with me, and they helped make me the man that I am today. But as leadership, or but as COVID went on and leadership shifts happen the college men started to dwindle away we went from around 70 students to 15 students that's when Hallie and Swayze stepped in God sent them they he brought them from Austin here for a purpose and that purpose was to save the college men over the last year and a half I've grown with both Hallie and Swayze and uh, They are some of my dearest friends, and I look to them as mentors. Stability is what college students need. They are experiencing a world in a whole new way, and their beliefs are tested day in and day out. And without good community, it's a struggle to not cave to things of this world. College Men is that community, a place for kids to grow into adulthood and to be rooted in God's word. I'm now going into my senior year, and Lord willing, it will be my first normal year of college. (laughs) That means there are three years of college kids on that campus who haven't had a stable college experience and are maybe walking in darkness. When I started school, I felt like I was alone. And this was pre-pandemic. Things have only gotten worse since then. But college men gave me a place to be A man who God really
0: wanted me to be. That's amazing, bro. All right, we're gonna pray for the University of Utah, right? James is gonna lead us in prayer. Go for it, bro. Come on, pray for those students. Let's go.
1: God, I thank you so much for your gift and your light, God. And God, I pray for the darkness that is over the U campus. Lord, I pray that you can send us, that we can be your lights on that campus to bring these kids out of darkness, out of depression, out of despair, to give them a place where they can call home. So Lord, I just lift up the U campus. I lift up our church and I lift up our leaders, God, that you can just guide them and give them the words to say to help kids that are struggling just find a place where they can be in community God I thank you amen come on
0: praise God I just felt I want to share real briefly a lot of you guys have heard my story but I was a freshman in college 20 years ago I didn't grow up in a house of faith I didn't grow up in a house that talked about God and I was a freshman in college when that, that whole thing about how God reaches into the dark, rescues and transfers, that was my freshman year of college. And that season of my life changed the rest of my life. It's a critical window. And as a church in this city, we feel it is an invitation from God to engage with the the university. So real quick, before we go into these next two, um, we are passing baskets for you old school folks that like write a check or something like that. We also have digital giving. It's super easy. If you just text dreams to nine four it'll walk you through all the prompts all right and so at any point as we're praying or sharing if God stirs your heart you can do that you don't have to wait till the end but um let's move on to our third dream which is serving the kids all right let's go this is my favorite one because we're sitting around the table so so we have a disproportionate amount of children we have about uh we have about about the number of attendees we have children. So 100 people come to church. We got about 40-50 kids back there. Um, We have a pretty shabby pipe and drape situation. It's a miracle that not more of them escape on a weekly basis, all right? So our church family, we said, hey, how can we serve the next generation better? And so we're working with the Michaelis family and looking at some numbers to do a build-out of our kids space back there, all right? A full-on build-out of kids classrooms. And so it's funny, we were sharing these things with our kids around the dinner table and can I share this Hudson is okay so I'm like yeah so you know we got serving the least is like 25,000 and then serving the you we're believing for 60,000 and then serving the kids we're asking for 30,000 it goes Hudson goes oh we're gonna be rich you know? he was so excited he's like yes we're gonna be rich it was we all started laughing it was the sweetest moment um, so I'm going to invite Jenica to come up and share a testimony about how Kids Ministry has impacted uh, their family, her daughter Gracie, and their home. Put your hands together for Miss Jenica. Come on!
2: Thank you. My name is Jenica. This is my husband Stephen. He's on the guitar. Um. Stephen and I both grew up LDS, and Stephen left the faith at about 17, and I went all the way into a temple marriage, a temple ceiling, and had kids under that covenant. Um, After that, um, I had a divorce, and I met Stephen, and Stephen was in new age, and so he kind of, I blame you, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He kind of um, helped mentor me into what he found truth in. And so together we um, started building our family. I also have four other children who live with their father and come and stay with us every other weekend. And so October of 2020, we were experiencing some very in-depth trauma with our children and we looked to our new age beliefs to provide us relief and it was providing zero relief and so we knew that we we had something that wasn't true so in an act of whew, desperation um Demon who loves my four children as his own felt prompted to get on his knees for the first time in his adult life and God met him there and he came back upstairs about 20 minutes later crying and I'm ironing like what is happening are you okay and he's like God is real He just met me, and he showed up for me. And um, he said in that moment, the hopelessness that we were feeling because New Age was not helping us, the Lord physically lifted it off of him. And so during this time, we had been teaching our children New Age beliefs. We had been teaching them false beliefs. Also, my ex-husband is also a devout Mormon. so my children are learning Mormonism, and they were learning New Age. So I, we, as we started reading the Word and learning the Word, we really struggled with, because we were trying to understand the Lord's Word, it was difficult for us to translate it and give it to our children in a way that was accessible for them to understand the changes that we were going through so um the lord told us that we needed to send gracie to ics center mountain christian school and we were only members at this point like i don't even know six months I don't know. He doesn't know either. Um, But we weren't members very long. But we heard very clearly that we needed to send our daughter, who's five and she's back there, um, to ICS. And we obeyed the Lord's prompting. And Gracie ended up being in the Pletcher's kindergarten class. And we met them at a Thanksgiving event that they threw at the school. And Stephen and I, for a year, we had been diligently learning the Word and not seeking a church specifically because we did not want to be deceived again. We wanted to be founded in truth and not be deceived. So as soon as we met the Plutchers, we we just fell in love with them and their family. And if any of you have experienced I just cry because we would not be here if it wasn't for them. Um, If you've experienced any sort of conversation with them, they truly are set apart. The Lord has really given them a heart of Jesus where they love everyone and they want to include and give you everything that you need and what God would want you to have. And so we started coming to Antioch in November of last year and I cannot tell you what a relief it is to be able to know that I can send my four children who are learning of Mormonism and my our youngest daughter Gracie back there to learn of the true principles of Jesus Christ and I just wanted to quickly um share a scripture it's in Luke 18 um Sorry, I'm so pregnant right now, so, like, like just breathing is hard. So, um, Luke 18, verse 15 to 17. And people were also bringing babies to Jesus for Him to place His hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to Him and said let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And so frequently, I used to nanny for some of my siblings' children and the enemy would attack me before these kids would come over and he would fill me with lack of patience and just um, anxiety about having to watch my family's children. And I learned to push those aside and rebuke those thoughts and allow these children into my home. And I cannot tell you how frequently these children were teaching me. These children were refining me. And so frequently, I think we think we're going to miss out on his amazing sermons every Sunday. But those children need us. And just like they need us, we need them. And so I think that this dream is just so important because they really are a part of God's kingdom. And they're going to go out and they're going to branch out and they're going to teach this to other people and refine other people.
0: So. praise god Jenica. thank you so much love you so much all right we're gonna have we're gonna have this this pregnant mama here pray over our kids all right let's just join her in prayer go for it Jenica.
2: lord we just ask you to come now we just ask you to change the hearts of the people who may resist serving in the kingdom father we just ask a blessing over our children that they may truly be a part of jesus christ that they may be examples to all those that they come encounter with. We ask a blessing over your dream, Lord, for the king, ki- the kingdom kids here in our church. We just ask that, and f- for all all of us to be able to recognize that it is truly the children who teach us. And we say these things in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jenica. Come on. All right, round of the corner here, the fourth dream that's been a part of our family for years and years is serving the sound for decades there have been promises over the salt lake valley and over this region that a a new sound of worship would erupt from this place and isn't it just like god to take the only unreached state currently in America. Do you know that we live in what is technically an unreached people group? It's the, 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 the metric for that is less than 2% of the population know the Lord Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. So you wonder why it feels funky spiritually in this city sometime. It's because we live in an unreached state. We live in our neighbors with a religion that has named the name of Jesus but has not named him in truth. And there is compassion and there is mercy, but isn't it just like God to spring up a sound of worship from a place that has not even been known to call on the name of Jesus and truth. And so we are writing music. I'm going to let Matt Morley come up here. Come on, Matt, and share a little bit about this dream. Serving the sound.
3: Boy, has anyone else just been like weeping the entire time? Because I'm over here with my wife and I'm just like, oh, God. Um, Man, what a blessing and a joy and an honor it is to do this. Um, I've been out here for almost six years. Um. (laughs) Um, I've seen this church go through ups and downs um, hills and valleys and through all of it I mean the people who we've brought in have been faithful to God and his plan from the start Um, yeah I moved out here I was dancing with Ballet West in a very low position Um, like no respect and that's fine um, and was like half in, half out with God, and was just like, I don't know what I want to do, um, but I loved playing music, like loved, it. still love it, um, and just had this opportunity. Met Nolan Gilmore, our former worship pastor, um, through some relations that we have from Arkansas, and I was like, cool, I can play music and like still dance and like do all these other things. Got to meet Blake Staley, who like immediately changed my life. Matt Pearson, who's not here with us, like people who immediately changed my life for the better. Um, And throughout this, I was like, cool, I can like still be kind of toes in, toes out, like whatever. Um, But I didn't realize when you partner with the sound of heaven, you create spaces for encounters for people to have their lives changed. I am a byproduct of that, which is great. Um, Thank you, Lord. Yeah, so this is not like us writing music for the sake of writing music. This is not us just like trying to do a cool thing because churches produce music now. Don't care. We don't care if other churches are producing music and doing whatever. We are partnering with the word of the Lord. We are partnering with the sound of heaven to create encounters for people, not just to do a cool thing, So, let's pray. I'm going to keep crying. Just stick with me. (laughs) Father, thank you so much for your heart for this city. Thank you that your heart is not for them to remain an untouched people group, an unreached people group. Lord, I thank you that we not only get to hear your voice, but we get to partner with your word. Lord, I thank you that the sound of heaven has already broken open in this city. Lord, I thank you that you have stirred up songs in our people, songs in our staff, songs in everyone who's a part of this church. Lord, I ask for the boldness to sing those songs and lay them at your feet as a beautiful, fragrant offering. Lord, we hold this just loosely in your hand. We offer it to you, Lord. It's your dream. Lord, help us to partner with it in the way that you desire. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Praise God. So grateful for you, Matt Morley. All right, so I'm going to ask um, the men that are serving as ushers for us today to go ahead and snag baskets. We're just going to respond in cheerful, joyful partnership with the living God. Amen. Truly, truly, we are looking only for obedience to the heart of God. And cheerful giving. So I'm going to pray. These guys are going to just start passing baskets around. I'm going to go sit with my kids because we're going to do this as a family. And then in a couple minutes or a few seconds, I guess, we're going to just stand and uh, close and worship together. So Lord, we thank you. You're faithful. We cannot outrun your faithfulness. We can't out outgive your generosity. So Lord, we give to you with joy and gratitude. And we say, "Let your kingdom come. Come on, say it with me. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on this earth." earth in this city as it is in heaven. God, let your dreams flourish in this city for your great name, we pray. Amen and amen.